time. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ecclesiastes uh, in the fourth chapter. And uh, I just want to share the title of this message is this morning. And uh, is, uh, you know, it was kind of a, we, uh, how many of you have uh, found that, uh, and it's probably not 100%, just depending upon where you are, but I found the majority of people uh, go into kind of toxic shock, I don't, I don't want to say toxic shock, but uh, into uh, uh, connection shock if you can't use your phone. It's just amazing. Even on the cruise, here we are on the cruise. And, and what happened is when you go out on the cruise, we end up going out. Once you get out past land, you're in international waters. There's no cell service out there unless you want to pay like, so I, I went in and said, I need to use the Internet Cafe. So I went in and I was going to say, how much did you use it for an hour? I said, 25 bucks for an hour. I said, I don't need to use it that bad. And uh, it was like, I forget what it was, 250 bucks. He used it for the whole week. I said, I don't need to use it that bad either. So I said, praise the Lord. I, I, I'll survive being disconnected. Amen. So, but when you come into port, you could do and you could check and do all, but you're only in there for a few hours, a little bit of time, and then you take off and you're doing other things. But it's kind of nice not being connected. And they think, oh man, and doing that. But we're so intertwined and connected together, but really not on, on, on a level that really is vital to building strong relationships. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we're going to read verses 9 through 12. Father, I thank you this morning for these next few moments. Lord, I pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've been doing in our church, in our congregation. I thank you for what you're teaching us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, how you're leading us. I thank you how you are preparing us for what you have before us and what you're calling us to do as a church and ministry, Lord. So we ask, Holy Spirit, for clarity this morning, insight and understanding in the Word. Be the teacher in the house house today in Jesus name somebody said amen Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says two are better than one we've been talking about relationship we did a whole series on relationships and uh, (coughs) excuse me that really is the principle that we need to understand is that two are always better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And in this area, even in the beginning, when God created man, he created man really in a relationship that was a threefold cord. There was God, then there was man, and then there was woman. And in that God-ordained original threefold cord, there is a power and a strength there that cannot be overcome. When you have God first in your life, and then as a man or a woman, you come together in relationship, it's not just two, it is three together. Amen? And so that's a relationship that cannot be overcome and can withstand adversity. So look at your outline as we go through this this morning. The purpose of being made from, being made from God, was so that we could be joined back together as one. If we ever come into an understanding of coming from and being joined back together as one, it will completely transform us in every way, both in our walk with God and in our marriages, our homes, 
homes, communities, and our society in every relationship of life. When we understand that God created us for connection. You see, our faith in Christ is directly connected to understanding our relationship with Christ. People have an idea about God, but it's external. Relationships are personal. Are you with me? Jesus died so you would have a relationship with the Father through Him. And you and I being in Christ, being in relationship with Him and in Him and through Him with the Father. But faith is really directly connected to understanding our relationship with Him. You see, He has forever pledged His faithfulness to us. He will never change and has never given us a reason to doubt His promise and pledge that. How many know Jesus? Jesus is the faithful one. Amen. And we can rest assured that he will never change. He never gives us a reason to doubt. But at the end, I just want to pray for some of us because I just felt there's been like just some discouragement and some heaviness and some weights on people's lives. And it's so easy for us to get, wait a minute, we are in a relationship with the faithful one, with the living son of God. And nothing, no circumstance, no situation changes his promise or his word to us. I don't care what's going on in our lives, around our lives, or trying to pass through our lives, God never changes. He declared it like this, I am the Lord your God, I change not. And so it's so important that we understand primarily our re- amazing relationship with God through Christ. Go with me if you would to Genesis chapter 1. I always like to go back to the beginning. God's plan for humanity in the beginning was to replenish the earth. I think that's always interesting. And uh, something else kind of happens as I've noticed over the years, especially with society and humanity, is that people think that everything revolves around us. And that God created us and like we're the first thing he ever did. Well, actually, if you believe the Bible account, man's between six to eight thousand years old. We've been on the earth here and we're, we're on an earth that is old or earth that was covered by water without form and void. And God calls the water to, to, to dissipate. As you read the original scripture, the water goes down, the earth shows up again. And so there was a covering over the earth, the earth without form and, and, and the waters covered the face of the deep. Amen. But God is an eternal God. So before his creation of man, God has always been. And God is a creative God. Amen. And but the thing of it is, as we try to explain, we always like to fill in the blanks. And so man has come up with all these theories to fill in the blank. When God just says, hey, you don't have to fill in the blank. You were created right in this space in here and and in this time and and area here and for a relationship with God. And that needs to be our focus. We get distracted by all this other stuff and we miss out on God's real purpose. But God, verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, somebody say them. So he made man, but when he's speaking, he's speaking about humanity as a whole. Let us create humanity. Let us create man and humanity. And let them have dominion over the fish of sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female 
created he them. Now watch this. And God said, bless them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What original translation says, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food and also to every beast and God creates everything verse 31 then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so the evening and the morning were the sixth day but it's amazing said when God says fill the earth or replenish the earth that it was to fill up again amen this would mean the creation of families, establishing culture and society, and God was to be in the center of it all. So God creates man. He says, do all this, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. So with that declaration of purpose is the call to creation for the creation of family, the establishment of culture and society. You see, keeping God at the center of all three, of families, culture, and society, is what provides the foundation for each and is the only way to ensure the success and longevity in them. So look inside your outline. What was phase one of God's plan? It was to be fruitful and to multiply. To be fruitful and to multiply. Man really cannot multiply alone. One times one is what? One. Amen. How many have ever asked Siri what zero times zero is? It's pretty funny. If you, if you have an iPhone, ask Siri what zero times zero is. And she'll tell you that if you have zero friends and you have zero cookies and you multiply that by zero, you still end up with zero cookies and zero friends and Cookie Monster isn't happy, something like that. Anyway, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny, really. Funniest thing I've ever heard from Siri. Amen. So, uh, Hallelujah. And uh, anyway, so look at this. The garden would be a place, think about it. God said to be fruitful and to multiply. And I want you to just keep your thinking, connect this. Because what are we doing? Even here as a church, why are we buying this building? Why do we want to build a new sanctuary? Why do we want to expand our service? Why do we talk about these things? Because the commission of God upon our lives is to be fruitful and to multiply. Not just to maintain, not to stay at one level. The purpose of every relationship and every connection in your life, God gives us connection to bring increase. And we are better together. Say that with me. We are better together. Now that is such a powerful truth and that is truth that is, that, that, that is communicated to us all the way through the scriptures is connection together and the purpose of connection that God brings into our life is always for increase. The will of God for his church, for any church, for any local body is to always be increasing. And the only way for us to do that is for us to be on some type of level of investing into relationship. The reason I give is not just because there's a promise connected to giving and God rewards that and he multiplies that back. But I want to be connected to producing kingdom increase into the earth. One of the things when I name my seed, I, I, I name my seed the continual flow of kingdom increase through my life. I just don't want my life to increase. I want the the kingdom of God to increase. Can you say amen? amen? 
That's the goal that we should have for our life. So the garden was to be a place where man would cultivate a life of worship with God that would extend to the ends of the earth. I believe the boundaries of the garden would have expanded with man as he walked with his God. There was nothing in God that is confined to space. When you think about God, God is eternal. He has no limit or boundary in him. There, there is no, and God created man, and in the beginning in the garden, there was no boundary. The earth was the Lord. Look at what the Lord replenish and subdue the earth, the entire earth. So God set this amazing possibility before humanity that they would come together in this threefold cord relationship. Man and woman and God in relationship together would be able to expand and replenish and subdue the whole earth. The garden was to expand. If man would have protected, as we're going to see in a moment, there was no limit to the boundaries of where God would allow this relationship to grow. Can you say amen? So watch it. So there's nothing in God that is confined by space. He is the one who sets the boundaries. If you read Acts 17, 26, you'll find out that God sets the boundaries and the times for all things. See, man was to be fruitful and multiply, meaning to develop the world by having families, building cities, establishing order, and to provide culture in which fellowship and worship with God would be central to life. In Genesis 1.28, as we read, a mandate was given from God, a cultural mandate from the creator to his creation. God had created a self-portrait of himself in the first man. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As you're turning there, I'll begin to read. And beginning in verse 45, it says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a living spirit, speaking of Christ. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of death. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. So we're made of flesh, but then we're born of the spirit as well. Amen? Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Or Paul declared that we have our origin in Adam and our redemption in Christ. So we have the flesh and then we have the spirit united together. And that's how God created man to live. When he created the first human couple in his image, he directed them to have dominion over the earth, governing it in his name and under his authority. Think about that. Have dominion. Exercise uh, authority over, subdue and have authority in the authority of his name. I like what David Lin Dennis Lindsay said. He said this. He says, today our cultural mandate is to participate in the work of God as his agents of grace and love and mercy in every area of work we pursue. Wherever you are, you're an agent of God. Wherever you're working, you're God's agent in that area. Amen. To allow his kingdom to infiltrate that area. Such a pursuit will lead us to worship. 
Think about that. We, we think many times we're being told by culture that we can't be an influence in our job, in our society, in these other areas, in our schools, wherever it may be, in our politics, whatever it may be, in our government, those areas there. But God says that his man and his woman were to be people that would influence the world that he had given to them with dominion and authority. Can you say amen? That's where we're supposed to live. Think about it. When God gave the instruction to the culture, it was not simply for the purpose of planting a beautiful garden. It was to turn this place called earth into a beautiful worship center where one can work and worship with this creator in divine fellowship and relation. How many know everything about our life is supposed to be connected to the worship of God? Amen. Father, I thank you. What an amazing day. I thank you for the cool weather. Thank you, Father. You're going to be a rain, bring the rain that's going to wash away the smoke, that's going to cause new trees to grow, new foliage and forest. God, you're the God of answers. Amen. I would just worship him all day long in his wonderful creation. Think about it like this. God was saying this to his people. Make this a place where I can walk with you and talk with you. Bless you and give you creative ideas for the work of your hand. Together, there is no no limit to what we could build. It will expand throughout all eternity. It will be a place where we can live together in perfect harmony. But be careful. Guard this place. Be a watchman. Don't let any anything interfere or mess this up, which is the reason God gave man authority. Think about this. Why does God give Adam and Eve dominion and authority to rule, to, to, to have that, to exercise that authority over in a perfect place? If there was no reason to use it. Amen? And so the Lord knew, God knew that, that, that there would be an adversary, that the enemy would become God put man and created man in place where he knew he would have to use the resources that he was putting at his disposal. Are you listening to me? But what happened is when the tempter came, when Satan entered the garden, man didn't operate in that authority. He didn't operate in that dominion. And so he did not protect it. From this garden, listen to what God says. From this garden, we're going to move outward and eventually turn the whole earth into a house of worship. How many know eventually when you get to the back of the book, how many know there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth? How many know the whole earth is going to be a house of worship unto God? That was his original plan. God never deviated. That's why it's so good to go back to the beginning. God has never deviated, never will originate from, uh, uh, deviate from the first original thing he declared. Amen. That's why this whole book is a book of redemption and restoration back to what was originally planned by God. Amen. Think about it. The garden was never meant to be an end. God is eternal. He has no end in him. Nothing he could plan would ever be for an end. When God came in, he didn't put it. Look at the commission to humanity, to Adam and Eve, and to all of humanity was an endless, boundless commission. Subdue the whole earth. There's no boundary. The whole earth is yours. No boundaries to God. Think about that. We think in such confined, limited, and restricted measure. Nothing he could plan would ever be for an end. He has only planned an end. You need to hear this this morning. God has only planned an end for those things that have entered to alter his plan. When removed, there will once again be no end. Can somebody say hallelujah? 
Okay, when God removes everything else that is contrary to his original plan, there will be no end. The promise that we have is the hope of eternity. Amen? And all of God's promise fulfilled. You see, the garden wasn't to be an end, but a beginning. It was a model to be reproduced under command and commission, to be fruitful and to multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. Everything that flowed from it would find its identity in the beginning. And that's what Jesus is called to. How many know he's the restorer? God said in the beginning he set this and Jesus came to give it back. What does he say in the part of the Great Commission? All power and authority has been given unto me. Go therefore. And he gave back to the church. He gave back to God's people power and authority. Dominion. Are you listening to me this morning? And that's what we have to walk in. But it's so easy for us as I said earlier. We get discouraged. Things are going on. And we may not feel like I have much dominion. I don't feel like I I have much authority. So I settle for second best. I, I, I settle just for substitutes of answers. And so it, it takes a little bit to press into and to walk into authority. It, it takes a little bit of dying to yourself. It takes some getting in the Word. I, I was almost ministered a word this morning on this, and the Lord directed me to this, but about the blood, the bread, and the fire. It's one thing to get washed by the blood, but then you need the bread of life. Amen. We can get cleaned and washed by the blood, but if you're not feeding on the bread of life, on the word of God, you have no substance of life to sustain you. And so if I don't have that substance of God's word, the sustaining power of his word nourishing me and, and energizing me, then, then I'm just being fed by whatever the world has to offer. And that's less than God's best. Could you say Amen. So we need to press into that authority, get back to that place of the beginning and walk in our authority. It was a life in it, it was to be a life of increase that would flow out of right relationship with God and with others. Relationships would be the key. In the beginning, God ordained that relationships would be a key factor. As we've gone through this little mini series that we've done, I just think about it. Some of the most challenging things when you hear people, even in discussions with people on the boat with convoy and everything else, there, there are just so many different types of broken relationships. And hurts and things. And those things that, that having such an effect on people's lives. Determining the choices and the direction. And if you really j just kind of filter it all back down, the grounds that you end up with is, you know, you see their life and, and their life's been brewed because it's been poured through, through this filter that contains the ground of all these broken relationships. And, and then they've made all these just hasty decisions, bad decisions, or closed themselves off. As Sean talked, when they get offended and doing everything, and Tim and Eve shot about the, the keys to relationships and building. We, instead of doing that, we end up and we just settle for something less than great relationship. Phase two was this. Subdue the earth. Man was told to subdue the earth. And that's kind of where I want to challenge you as a church today. I want you to partner with us and be a part. Come on, God set us here. In fact, uh, in, in second service, my, uh, my mother-in-law will be here with her friend who flew out uh, from, from back east and spent some time with her, Elaine. And she's asking us about, you know, how did you end up in Cameron Park? How did you start the church? And we started telling her a little bit of the story. And actually for us to come here where we were pastoring before, you know, we really didn't have a desire to leave there. I was content 
to be there my whole life. And then God started stirring some things in there for vision and for purpose to accomplish there. And really what was happening there is I wanted to do more there than what we were doing. And what moved us is I wanted to do more there than what we were doing. I, I wanted to see increase come through the church. So I said, we have 38 acres out here that we have a Christian school on. We, that's all we use it for is for the school. And we have this little dinky old brick building here in town, about 3,200 square feet. You stick, all, you stick our whole other church in this sanctuary right here. Amen. The sanctuary in that little church is about the size of this little room right, this section right here, and put everything else in classrooms and everything, get everything in here inside our sanctuary now. And uh, I said, hey, let's do this. Let's sell. We got this old funky dilapidated parsonage that we're living in in town. Let's sell this thing. Let's sell this building. Let's move out on the church property. Let's build a gymnasium and an outreach center for young people because there's nothing here. For our kids, and, and, and at that time, we had, we had almost 40 kids coming to our youth group in a town of 500. Amen. We had 125 kids in the high school, and we have 40 of them in our youth group. Amen. And so God, and I said, come on, let's do something for young people in, in the Big Valley area here. We could do something for them. And they go, well, you know what? This is a historical building. I said, it's a 30-year-old cinder block building. There's nothing historical about that. The only thing historical about this is it's known as the pink church. It was pink cinder block. And it had a bad reputation because everybody in a town of 500, everybody knows everybody's business. And when I got there, they knew that there was an, a, a gentleman in the church who was having an affair with one of the elders' wives and things going on. I'm going, oh my goodness. So they had a reputation for a stupid. I said, let's move out of here. We need to get out of this reputation. I wasn't saying that, but that was in my mind. Amen. But in that, and, and then, you see, I was the fourth, when I came there, I was the fourth pastor in seven years. And so they had this amazing turnover and stuff like that. And we, we, we outdid them. We stayed six years, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. And, and so with that, but the, the thing that moved is that God was putting it in my heart. There was a stewing in my heart for increase, to be fruitful and to multiply. Come on, let's do more together. Well, you know, but, so, but, but that's what, what are we saying now today? The same thing, everything we did. And so what happened? God begins to move on our heart. We begin looking around. We have people asking us in, in Pen Pentecost Church of God, have you ever thought about going up in the foothills and starting a church? I, no, I never thought about that. We'd love to have a church over there. So Pastor Doug and I drove up here two years before we came here, looked around. Oh, it'd be a nice area. Went home, nothing. But through the whole course of events, things change. Next thing you know, we find ourselves here and we have divine reference to go back to because a year later, we come back and, and, and we went out to dinner with Pastor Doug and Janice after being up and doing TV on the little Channel 62 that used to be up here. We stop at Gold Harvest Market on Ponderosa Road to get some gas and Doug just wells up goes Don, Don, Don typical Doug Don, Don, Don I feel God I'm just going to I'm just, I'm just going to prophesy he said you and Sue are going to live in the Sacramento area and build a work for God I said I don't think so Doug I don't think so I don't think that's God I don't bear witness with that at all Hey, man, what'd you have for dinner, man? Anyway, so, so we're just kind of going on. But then two years later, we have moved here through this whole course of it that comes out of a desire to subdue, to have dominion, to have authority, to walk in what we're called to be. 
what we're called to be. And then we pull in, we've rented a house, and we're looking to rent a building to have church, and we're driving around. I pull into that gas station, and I look at Sue, and I go, this is where Doug prophesied. And so then, so, so what I'm saying is, is that you know that God sets you someplace. You're not just making things up. You're not being, you're not determining your own direction and following your own will. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. You didn't get yourself here. God sets you here. Are you listening to me? And so we find ourselves in a set place. And now God has set us here in this area. And one reason he set us here, we started in Cameron Park. We moved to Placerville because God wanted us to reach out to our county. And then when we launched the Lord's Jim, the Lord said, I put it in you there for here. So we have had an outreach to our county through the Lord's gym and through our ministry. We're doing what God put us in our heart to do. And the reason God has given us this building, because he wants us to subdue and to multiply and to make room for increase, because there's people that he wants to reach. Can you say amen? And so we have to believe with that. So subdue the earth. Think about it. The ability to subdue is lost when God is replaced. The ability to subdue is lost when God is replaced. Adam and Eve replaced God for the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. As God's people, we are never to make choices based upon what is good or what is evil. Is it good or is it bad? That isn't the point. We want to know, is it God or is it not God? It's not about whether it's good or evil. Is it God or is it not God? Is this the will of God or is it not the will of God? Is the Holy Spirit leading me or is he restraining me? Can you say amen? That's where we're supposed to be because the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Amen. So think about it. Phase two had to be put on hold until God could implement his plan of redemption. So boundaries were set. Restrictions were established until relationship could be restored. So Adam and Eve were placed outside of the garden. The angels were set there and a boundary was set. And God said, this, this, this environment it has a set boundary around now. It can go no further until redemption can come. But now that redemption has come, let me know you and I can boldly come before the throne of grace. We have access with God and we're to take this, this atmosphere of the garden of relationship with God throughout the whole earth. Glory to God. Amen. So think about it. How can we remove the boundaries and restore order? See, God ordained for us to live a life that would replenish through a reciprocating relationship with Him. Everything we have looked at over the past few weeks has been tied directly to this principle and truth. A reciprocating relationship with God. That we were created in the beginning to have dominion. To have authority, to subdue the earth, to replenish, and to multiply. Think about it. That everything in life flows out of relationship and connection for the purpose of increase. What God declared over his original man and woman was increase. An increase through relationships. Hear me this morning. Why is it so hard for us to have relationship? Because it's ordained by God. Are you listening to me? 
to ordain. So what does the word replenish mean? The word replenish means more at full, to fill up again, to fill with persons, animals, stock, to supply fully, to perfect, to fill with inspiration or power, to nourish, to fill or build up again, to make good, to replay, to become full, fill up again. How many know that Jesus is the great replenisher? Think about it. He breathed on his disciples and he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but ever be being filled. How many know God is the great replenisher? When you feel that, that like your, your, your level is low and you just don't have enough strength. How many know God pours in more? He's the great replenisher in our life. Think about it. The whole purpose of our redemption is a restored relationship that leads to increase. A God relationship is not where one uses the other merely for their own benefit and pleasure, giving nothing of themselves to the other. If that happens, where that person will always be expecting, they will never be satisfied by what others provide, angry when not being given the attention they think they deserve, always disappointed by unmet expectations, producing wounds of offense and brokenness. When relationships are defined that way, one-sided, it, that is the production that comes out of it. What does it mean to be reciprocal? Reciprocal is giving and receiving. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6 as the worship team comes back. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, reads this. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. What is that? That is a reciprocal relationship. If, you're, if someone is teaching you, then there's a sowing that comes back. You receive and you give. You receive and you give. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Let me put it like this. If we're not sowing, then we're not reaping anything. Amen? But then on the other side, if we're sowing bad, how many know there's always a harvest to every seed? Every seed is going to produce a harvest. We get upset because even in bad relationships or things going wrong, we, we want to see... Justice and equity. When you read the Psalms, you see David always praying for his enemies. And very, usually not in a very nice way. David praying, Lord, smite him, kill him, crush him to powder. Do this, and it causes this to happen. Send fire from him. Blast your nostrils upon him. Amen. David was something else in his prayer. Amen. But every seed produces a harvest. And then, then, he, then by the end of all those Psalms, he'd get to the end of himself and start worshiping God again. Okay, I got myself under control. Now I'll bring it back down to where it's supposed to be. Amen. But think about it. Reciprocal in this is that we understand we reap what we sow. Look at verse uh, 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap what? Corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of his Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. What is that? That's an in, in exchange. Giving, sowing, reciprocation, doing good, showing love, caring one for another. Think about that. Reciprocal means 
done, felt, given, in return. All the definition there. To reciprocate, and Sean shared it in there, is that God gives seed to the sower, and then we are given to sow back, and it multiplies in that. 1 Corinthians 9 is, is reciprocation in definition. God gives seed to the sow. We sow it. He multiplies it back. We sow more. He gets praise and glory through it. It's an ongoing relationship. Are you listening to me? So powerful. Such a powerful truth. Everybody look up here just for a moment. You hear us talk about tithing. And the reason we talk about tithing, it is a great place to begin in serving. And, and, and it's a principle in giving that gives equity to giving. But what Jesus didn't ask for 10% of your life, Jesus asked for your whole life. The Old Testament, people just gave a portion and that was it. But in the New Testament, we live by that. But the purpose of tithing, tithing has a promise connect. I'm an opportunist. When it comes to the Word of God. If I read something in the Word that has a promise connected to it, and I could take advantage of it, I'm going to seize the opportunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? But in New Testament giving, we're supposed to believe that our, we give our whole life to God. He's Lord of our life. I'm His servant. He's my Lord and my Master. I don't own anything. He's my Lord. Everything I have comes, and so I'm just, and I'm in this reciprocating relationship with Him. And as I honor Him with my whole life, and doing that, God has this amazing way. There's never been a time when I say, God, I want to do something for you. I, I want to see increase come through my life that God doesn't make it happen, as Sean was saying in the offering. God, when you desire to do something for God, He'll give it to you. But if you want Him to give you increase, and you don't want to increase His kingdom, you get to make your own increase. Kingdom increase comes for kingdom purpose. Can you say amen? So look at the last page of your outline with me, if you would. The conclusion is this. Say this with me again. We are better together. We are better together. We're connected through generosity to accomplish purpose. We were connected for relationships and connection with people to fulfill purpose. You know what's interesting? One reason Convoy Hope does this, and, and uh, they, they, they do these cruises, is that they also, it, it's an honor and a thank you for people who give and make possible what they do. Convoy of Hope in the last 25 years now has grown to a place where right now today, they are feeding 177,000 children a day. Around the world, they're feeding 177,000 people. Over 80,000 children in the U.S. are being fed every day. In other nations around the world, they're being fed in Haiti and other places. They're being fed. They're going to school and feeding people. They have disaster relief and everything that's happening coming through this. And it was amazing on that crew, you know what happened? People began to see, see there, 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 there's a connection for generosity. Something happens when we connect, when we have relationship giving. And you connect to relationship. And I, and I put it in here for you to see it this way. I, I was blown away. And, and uh, the uh, Harold Donaldson, who is the, the head of uh, Convoy of Hope there, Tim and Eve worked with Convoy in the Middle East. They coordinated uh, the, the, the uh, disbursement of goods and things that they would send into the, 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 uh, uh, the Tajikistan, the Afghanistan area there in, in, in the 1040 window. And they helped in facilitating that. So they're around the world. In fact, Jeff Swain goes, I've heard of Tim. Think about that. This was it. I've heard of Tim. He's a legend in convoy. I didn't know you were a legend. We have a legend on staff. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Jeff said, Jeff said I've, I've never met him, but I've heard of him and the work they did in the Middle East, helping Convoy get that out. And so what is that? That, that, that is relationship generosity. And what happened there in that meeting, I don't know, there, there may be two or three hundred of us there that were a part of this and that. And on uh, uh, Thursday morning, or actually, see, Wednesday morning, we had a meeting. And on Thursday night, they announced the announcement and they asked for pledges from those who were there. So let me take a guess about how much money was pledged to help Convoy Pope. Anybody want to guess how much money they raised? Huh? $30,000. Anybody want to guess again? $2.6 million. $2.6 million was pledged to help Convoy of Hope continue the mission of women empowerment, taking women for $1,000 a day. You teach a woman how to create her own business. In their farming and agricultural, they go into communities and teach communities how to farm and raise their own food and do things like that. They come along young girls in, in countries, and for $25 a year, you can give a young girl who goes to school personal hygiene that they need, feminine hygiene that they need, because in third world countries, they don't do that, so they miss a week of school every month because of their, 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 their personal physical issues that they have and dealing with that. And so they're lower, they're thought of lower, and so they're empowering women on every level they're helping people on every level and people say hey I can do more together than I can do by myself she has an individual I, I could go to Mexico and build one house but when we partner together for generosity when we use relationship and connection what God is saying in the book he created us for connection and when we come together with connection see it in your outline one person can have a life but it takes two people to create life one person can have a home but it takes two people to create a family to live in that home one person can have a relationship with God through Christ but it takes two or more to create and become the church his body in the earth so what happens when we live lives of generosity by connecting together and giving ourselves of ourselves and from ourselves to be fruitful and to multiply subduing and expanding the earth we do what God said in the beginning we we are fruitful, we multiply, we have dominion, we subdue, and I got an agreement. We pledged part to partner with Convoy of Hope. There were part of that money that they raised, and we want to help them do that. We've done mission. And I thought about, you know what? Jesus gave his life to save the world. And they have a program called One Day to Feed the World. And what they ask is that you would work one day, you would donate one day salary out of a whole year to go towards feeding people. And you think about, wait a minute, Jesus gave his life to save the world. I could give one day of a year to feed the hungry. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. You were created for connection. Now I want you to hear me again. All the forces of hell, everything we preached on relationship, everything bringing us to this point, everything that we want to do in building this building. I'm telling you what, everybody look up here just for a moment. Since we bought this building, we have been in nothing but an uphill battle. 
We've been in a financial challenge. I have never in all my years of ministry had to ask for an offering. I've been tempted to have to ask for a special offering. We've been under, I don't know what it is, but when we purpose to move to another level of increase and influence and advancing the kingdom, I'm telling you, all hell moves out against you. The good thing is, I've been at this long enough, I'm not moved by any of it. I just, I've seen God come through time and time and time and time again. See what we're doing? We're just moving forward. Could you say amen? But what I'm trying to tell you this morning, it's the same thing that I'm feeling as I was on that ship. I kept listening to people around me. And then I'm looking at our prayer requests and doing different things. And I just felt that there's a weight of heaviness and a burden upon people. It comes through discouragement. I just wrote down discouragement, heaviness, and weariness. That people are carrying. If that's you, move out of where you are. Come up here right now. We're breaking that thing in Jesus' name. We have dominion. We have authority. We are set free by God. If you need anything broken off your life in those areas, come on, there's an anointing that comes. You see, two people, can, one person can walk in relationship. But when we become the body, there's a corporate anointing that is upon the body of Christ. I believe there's more people here that should be moving right now. You have any type of discouragement. You've been praying over things. I don't care whether it is in your body and believe it come of this come in believing for an answer physically in your body believing for breakthrough in some area of your life I don't care where it is in dealing with it and so what happens is that comes and we don't see it and we just settle we begin to adjust to less than a breakthrough and a miracle and an answer and provision from God the will of God God created man in the beginning he said I give you dominion I give you authority Jesus says I give you authority over all the power of the enemy father today we're here to break this yoke off of your people's life I thank you father you've connected us 